You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hi there, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. This is Sarah Box, your host. And today we're going to be talking with another super special guest who lives without labels or limits. And actually, the legacy she's going to leave in the world is all about that. So this week, we are joined by Lisa Tahir. Did I say your last name right, Lisa? You did. Okay. I'm thinking I could have put a different accent on it, but I'm thinking that would be it. Um, Lisa is a licensed therapist in two states, both Louisiana and California, and she's certified in EMDR. For those of you in the therapy world, you know what that is and how powerful that is. Um, She's also a Reiki Level 2 certified person and a thought coach through the Institute of Transformational Thinking, which is in LA. She is the founder of Psychoastrology and has also established the Yes Foundation. Um, And that's a special nonprofit she established where she teaches children and adults with disabilities to blow and cast glass art using her ADA compliant and US patented workbench, the chariot, chariot. Chariot. Um, And we're going to talk about that later. Actually, it's so important that Lisa and I've decided that we're going to do a special add on um, interview, which we will add to this whole interview if you want to listen to the whole thing. But um, we want to really carve out to talk about that as well. And she is the host of All Things Therapy podcast, which reaches listeners worldwide and averages 35,000 downloads per month. So That's quite an accomplishment, Um, I will say, from the podcast world and from all of the healing work she does. So with that, as our introduction, let's all welcome Lisa to here. And it's, as I mentioned, when we first got on to do our tech check, Lisa, I've been looking forward to talking to you for quite some time. Sarah, I have too. Your energy is so bright and just luminous. And I really appreciate being on No Labels, No Limits on your show. Thank you. Well, my pleasure having you here, truly. And as my listeners know, we like to learn a little bit about our guests. So we ask a standard question for each podcast. And that is, is there something you do every day, Lisa, that keeps you focused on your big dreams and your goals so you don't get pulled off track? Yes, Sarah, I meditate every morning. First thing when I wake up and the coffee pot has finished brewing coffee, I pour a cup of black coffee, I bring it over to my couch. And before I look at an email or a text, I close my eyes for at least a few minutes and sip on coffee and just thank the universe for a new day. I ask to be guided and directed. I ask to be blessed and to be a blessing. And I just take those first few minutes 
and silence before I go about the business of the day. Okay, so you're the only person I've ever talked to that has a very similar process. I mean, you know, a lot of people um, meditate and stuff, but there's something about getting that first cup of coffee. And I don't know if it's the aroma or the heat of it or something. It's both. Yes, yes. But it totally pulls you into your senses. And then when you're like communing and asking for your like to be blessed and have guidance for the day, it just for me, it feels like I'm actually more in my body that way. So Thank you, other coffee person. No, Sarah, you're so right. There's something about that first sip. It's it's like I felt like I had to share that detail because it's it's kind of like the best moment. I agree. You know, I with totally the universe agree. and yourself and that coffee. <laughs> yeah. Everything else is extraneous and yeah. the house is still quiet. Yes. The dog knows the routine. He's not even up off his bed yet. He's like, forget it. There's My kitty cats happening. as well. <laughs> Hey, so before we talk about your book with the Chiron effect, I do want to talk a little bit about your background and what led you to your healing and transformational work. My healing and transformational work is a direct result of my own life experience. And I think that's the case for many of us and the healing arts doing something that's a passion as our vocation. And and a family that was multicultural, Pakistani and Irish American. There was a lot of beautiful tradition and richness, but there was also a lot of dysfunction. And I realized as a teenager and especially entering my 20s that I lacked some skills having to do with managing my emotions, expressing them verbally. And so I started therapy at 21 as a client to help kind of unpack my childhood and some of the experiences that affected me. And I just so fell in love with the therapy process. My wonderful therapist, Marilyn, who um, really helped me reparent myself as she reparented me as well. And I just knew this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. And I started grad school uh, in the Masters of Social Work program at Tulane University at that time. And it's been just like this expansion you know, my personal life where it intersects my professional life and my personal growth as it affects me as a therapist, helping others grow. They're so interconnected. And it's what I, and my book is just an outreach of that in a different way to help people know that they can change their patterns and their lives. Let's talk a little bit about your book. And I have other questions that yeah. are going to come back because you have quite a breadth of different I would say modalities and things that you have um, learned and experienced, and that makes the work even richer. So um, what, what did you want to accomplish? Like what inspired you to author your book at this time? It was in response, Sarah, to questions that I had. I felt personally frustrated and professionally frustrated with in therapy. There is definitely that time needed to go through our wounds, to go through the traumas and in the presence of someone who's attuned to your emotions, to really be seen, be heard, be empathized to. And I had felt like I dwelled a little too long in that space. I was so familiar with what has wounded me that I felt like I kind of was just continuing to create 
those patterns in my adult life versus what's the new story of who I want to be, the kind of relationships and friendships I want to have, the kind of how I want to feel each day, you know, more happiness and peace and joy and less struggle, less depression and anxiety and, and doubting myself and criticisms in my head. And, you know, it was from that place about five, five and a half years ago, I was asking the universe, like, you know, what's beyond this shit, so to speak. And even to help my clients in their own healing journey, you know, what's that boundary between when you shift from the story, the narrative of your pain and your woundedness into your empowerment and like moving forward into your life and having this opportunity to create from all of those experiences, like beautiful things. And that's exactly the book was the answer that came through me. Um, cause it was very divinely led, you know, based in research, psychology, spirituality, metaphysics, astrology, and then some of my own life experiences that that's, that's where it was birthed from. So let's kind of get into the weeds of that, if you will. So you, it was inspired and birthed from all those directions and your frustrations. So I'm picking up this book. What can I expect? to take away from it? And what is my experience of going through it? Such a good question, Sarah. You can expect to have a very crystal clear and deep understanding of your patterns and the Chiron effect and the title speaks to that, that we as individuals are like little planets and we orbit a frequency of our people, places, and things. Our daily routine is our, is our orbit. And that orbit is dictated by a frequency and frequency are, our thoughts carry frequency and planets carry frequency. Frequency is the rate at which something vibrates and it's measured in the unit of Hertz. And so a depressive thought carries a lower frequency or vibration. We hear that word a lot nowadays than say love, which is 528 Hertz, a higher frequency. And I learned that genetic biochemists are using 528 Hertz to repair broken and damaged DNA. That's the frequency of love. And so I thought about how our thoughts really dictate the orbit that we take. What we believe to be true about ourselves and for ourselves is, is what then we go do in our day, the jobs that we have, the places we go to, the money we spend or don't spend. And when you can think new thoughts that elevate your vibration, your frequency in the world, you start orbiting new experiences. You go out and you meet new people. They start coming to you. You start doing different things. And that's how we up-level our lives. And so in my book, you're going to understand through the astrological placement of the minor planet, Chiron, C-H-I-R-O-N, which illuminates one of 12 areas of vulnerability up to and including core wounding. And I'm just gonna pause after, after a moment that you know it's by understanding how we limit ourselves that we can then transcend those limits and live a, like greater lives. Does that make sense to you? It makes perfect sense. All it does is make me have a whole other list of questions. So I'm gonna dive in <laughs> okay. because I have you here. So yeah. I'm just gonna ask. So there are the 12 areas. Do yeah. those 12 areas align with anything that we might be familiar with? Like, are they connected to astrological signs or are they just 12 areas based on life 
and energy. So the 12 areas of core wounding that my book illuminates are based upon your astrological birth chart. And just like you, Sarah, I'm, I'm sure know your sun sign. What is your sun sign? I'm a Scorpio. I'm actually okay. my birthday's next Monday. So oh my gosh, happy early birthday. birthday. So you're a Scorpio sun. Do you know your rising and moon? Not a clue. Okay. So that's okay. So most of us are familiar what our sign is when you're asked and you'll say like you did Scorpio. Well, Chiron is also an, an astrological placement in your birth chart. And Chiron is in Scorpio. Chiron is in Aries and in Gemini and in all of the 12 astrological signs. And what that means is that this identifies one of these 12 areas of vulnerability, like, for example, Chiron in Taurus speaks to core wounding by neglect. Core wounding in cancer, the sign of cancer, speaks to core wounding by abandonment. Core wound, Chiron in Aries speaks to a core wounding in your sense of value and worth. And so it's by understanding this area. And again, it's a spectrum. For some of you, it's just an area of vulnerability. You know, it's it's like you might hide or edit that when you talk about yourself, like Chiron and Aries is vulnerability and your sense of value and worth, you're outwardly typically successful on paper, but inwardly, you might feel like you're never quite doing enough. So you're on this like performance achievement hamster wheel, where you never deeply feel satisfied, even though people are like, oh my gosh, you're effing awesome. You know, like that you don't feel awesome and how damaging that is in our lifespans to really being happy. And so it's an understanding this area of vulnerability slash core wounding that we can start uh, thinking new thoughts. I give mantras, I give affirmations that you can start to think new thoughts about yourself and also practical takeaway steps that you can begin doing some new and different things in your life to help kind of like deactivate this vulnerability and wounding. So are you challenging the assumptions around the vulnerability and yes. wounding? Yes. Okay. That makes, That's yeah, one that part makes of it. perfect sense. That's absolutely Sarah. That's one part of it. And the other part is trying out some new behaviors, like say Chiron and Pisces, which Mother Teresa had in her astrological birth chart. And this core wounding speaks to a vulnerability slash core wounding and your self-care and in your relationship to the immaterial world. And I use that phrase instead of spirituality, because some of you listening, you might find, you know, science to be where you go to versus like a spiritual religious type practice. So I wanted to be inclusive. And what that means is that you tend to overgive, you tend to neglect your own self-care to take care of other people's needs, and you're left depleted. And sometimes even people reject your help or don't appreciate you because they might not have ever asked for it, but you see the need so clearly and you just want to serve and fill it. But when we do that uninvited, it can sometimes bring us these negative consequences that then we feel resentful and unappreciated. And so the metaphor I give is in aviation, when you get on the airplane and they always say, in the case of a change in cabin pressure, put on your own ox oxygen mask first and then aid and assist others, including your children. And what a picture that is to give from your overflow and to pause and stop you know, when you're depleted to make sure you are giving. And in that way, Mother Teresa is the perfect example of someone who learned to give so much yet also take care of herself.
Well, and I would think you're talking about a balance in it, right? Yes. So the nature of that person to want to give, you, it didn't change Mother Teresa's orientation to the world, except how she cared for herself. Exactly. So it becomes a more balanced, it honors who you are as the individual while making you more whole or Sarah, more. That's, yes, that's so well said. Absolutely. It, help, it does help you restore balance in your life for that placement, certainly. And in other placements, say core wounding by neglect and the Chiron and Taurus placement, that could speak to sexual abuse or trauma in your background and really having to heal those wounds of, of what it caused you to believe about yourself, potentially that you, you know, you're not important, that, that nobody's going to meet your needs or that you have to do things you don't want, you know, to be cared for and to really realign and set boundaries often with others for that placement. And even with yourself sometime that I'm not going to, you know, be around that person who continues to hurt me because I'm learning I deserve better and shifting, you know, who you start to gravitate towards. That is brave work. It is. It is. It is brave work. It is brave work. Hey, so when um, we're doing this work, I actually have other question I want to ask you, but I want to follow up on this before I forget. Um, So someone is moving from their awareness of their core wounding into the transformation, right? Mm -hmm. So is that once that occurs, is that going from wounding to healing or is that an ongoing thing that as I notice, we'll just stay with the Mother Teresa example because you've laid that out so well. As I get better at self-care and giving, um, will that be a continual thing I need to pay attention to or once it's healed, is it one and done? You know, in my experience, Sarah, since we're on this human journey and it's so... Uh, you know, it's so it just, I'm even at a loss for words, this journey that we're on and the paths that it takes that I see in my experience and with others, it's definitely something that will come up in your life. This is a pattern kind of that you orbit. And it, I see it as like the volume on a stereo. You can turn it down to sometime it's off and you're cruising through life and you're feeling really aligned and really empowered and happy and things are going well. And then maybe someone says something and it triggers you, which I talk in my book, a trigger being an energetic attachment that illuminates an area of vulnerability within us that we might not know is there until the event happens happens or the words are said and it's like oh ouch or sometimes oh you know depending on how powerful the trigger is and it's like here we are kind of like you know attending to that part of ourselves like to to refill ourselves to step away and so I see it as like an ongoing journey and it, it does get easier you know but then say a natural disaster happens like Hurricane Katrina for me in New Orleans. And all of us were like, the shit hit the fan. And we're, you know, we're in a, we're in a space to cope beyond our ability because there were so many changes unexpectedly. So I think, you know, times like that could happen, but you have a, you have a roadmap now that my book lays out some tools and techniques to cope with those things. Well, and once you have the tool, Right. At least it can help calm the reactive response. Right. Which it sounds to me like the the trigger creates yeah. a reaction, um, good or or not good. 
right? Or beneficial, not good, bad, but beneficial or unbeneficial, right? So the reaction might be, okay, I know that I've just been triggered, get my tennis shoes on and go for a walk. Or I feel like just screaming at somebody, right? Choice. Yeah. And, you know, I talk about that, Sarah, in my book, there's a chapter on being responsive instead of reactive. That's a journey I've been on in my life that when triggered to take a pause and I, I lay out what's happening in the central nervous system, that it becomes activated, hyper arousal, this fight, uh, fight, freeze, or, uh, oh my gosh, how am I not saying it? Freeze, you know flight, or fight. Thank you. Yes. And that's when we're reactive. And I encourage readers to just pause. I've learned to pause and do not send that text yet, but send a text to yourself, you know, get it out of you. You don't want to repress or deny your, your raw visceral emotion, send the text to yourself. And a lot of my clients have really loved that technique, write yourself the letter first to really get the raw emotion out and then sit with it, be with it and decide over time, what needs to be said to this person, for example, versus what what doesn't. And it can help you be a much clearer and cleaner communicator and having to kind of dig yourself out of less holes, so to speak. Absolutely. Um, one of the things my husband says, like, I'll be trying to defend something I've said, like okay. I'm trying to make a rationalization, like why it wasn't a bonehead thing to say. Yeah. Because the moment it left my mouth, I knew I'm going, yeah. Could have done that one better. <laughs> and the more I learn about myself, you know, I catch them faster, but still it's already out there. And so I'll go, well, and he goes, honey, quit digging. Just stop. That's so cute. Yes. Right? Well, yes. And he says, you're already at your knees. Just quit digging. Oh my gosh. I love that y'all have established that kind of rapport. It is. It's just, it's just who we are. You know, it's like, yeah. if you, if I can have a little bit of kindness towards myself, then yeah. I don't feel the need to be as defensive or self-protective. Right. And yeah, it's all in it for me. He doesn't want me to fail or have pain, you know? Right. So, but to your point, it takes the pause to say, Hey, you are reacting to something here myself. Disengage for a minute and figure it out. Right. Right. Um, yes. And that's self-control. It is. And then sometimes you're going, no, I'm really mad. I'm going to say this. And then 20 minutes later, you're going, that was really not the best choice. Yeah, I think we've all had that experience. And it's learning to attend to those feelings and emotions that are so valid within you, even if you know, they seem irrational. Yep. We are humans and we have all of these emotions in us and they're not, they don't make logical sense all the time. And that's okay. That's where the role of empathy. I talk about in my book, being empathetic with yourself and just taking that pause to work it through as you're saying, Sarah. So let's talk. There's a couple of tips that you've already mentioned, being empathetic, being yeah. aware, taking, you know, pausing. Are there a couple other tips that you would just say as listeners before they have the chance to read the book and go through it that they can leave this podcast and say, okay, I'm going to pause. I'm going to try and be more empathetic to myself and others. Um, yeah. I'm going to be, you know, whatever. What would you recommend as just baby steps to start with? Well, the other main aspect of my book has to do with forgiveness, particularly self-forgiveness. And in that chapter, I talk about um, how 
you know, when something happens, usually with another individual, and even if, say, the other person has 90% of the fault in air quotes, you know, our 10% or even our 3% is what's so important to look at and examine and explore what percentage, you know, of myself did I bring to this undesired situation that I'm now in? And instead of doing that with judgment, or shame towards yourself to do it with some curiosity and empathy, because you make sense. We all make sense in the context of our experience. And usually it's centered around some kind of self-protection or defensiveness being activated and triggered and, you know, responding, reacting in that way. And, and forgiveness I learned is a progressive, progressively actioned technique and it really starts you with you and every day it can be a really beautiful habit as you're laying in bed to kind of scan your day in your mind and notice if there were any points in the day you really were hard on yourself judging yourself and just go easy there life will give you another opportunity to do it again i promise you and you'll be able to show up differently for yourself so to do that kind of inventory and go easy go gentle and that self-forgiveness piece is what really allows us to, over time, forgive others. I think it really starts with doing that for yourself. And I wonder what you think about that, Sarah. Well, it's interesting you ask. Okay. Um, I am learning more and more of that be because there's. Um, I have chosen to assume that none of us is here by mistake. So whether you're religious or spiritual or not, we're all here for a reason. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if I'm here for a reason, it does me no good to beat up on myself and be a bully, right? So right. the inner dialogue, you could have done that better. Sure, I could have done that better. And to your point, I can't think of a time that I haven't had another opportunity to do something yes. better, right? Yes. Even if it's been an interaction with someone, um, even if I don't see that person again, I have another, there'll be someone else that I go, yes. okay, you can do it better this time, right? Mm -hmm. And learn. So giving myself grace around that yeah. has, it just lightens the load, frankly. It does. And to make that a habit daily, I try to think of daily, you know, how to use exactly what you're saying. And once that becomes a mental habit, it's easier. You'll catch yourself more in the moment, like up, like, and when you can, you can cue into this in your body, when you start to feel anxious, um, stress, you know, look at your thoughts. What am I thinking right now? Because I guarantee you, it's a thought generating this feeling in your body and in your mind. And to work with that in the moment, to try to be more gentle and ask, what, what do you really want me to know? And just kind of go down that thought path and see what happens for you. Yep. I think it's been helpful. And you're right. The, if I can catch what my thought is and shift it, like yeah. quickly shift it, it, I do laugh a lot more at myself. Like I'm getting frustrated over something. I'm going, Sarah, there's some people right now who, if they were in the room hearing your thought, would shake you and say, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yes. You're so lucky that that's a problem. And I'm yes. thinking, yeah, it is. You know, I'm just making it bigger than it is. So I've not. recently, yeah, I've recently started to have exactly the kind of experience you're describing. And the statement I use is like, oh my gosh, Lisa, you get to figure this out. Right. Like I get to solve this. Like, okay, universe, like I get to, you know, and it, it really shifts the whole energy of it. Like you're saying. And it well, starts and I to tend align. To try, I try Go to on. figure things out, right? Like I like to figure things out on my own. It's just part of my personality. It's like, and then I've just, 
but stop it. Yeah. So now if I have a question or I'm trying to figure it out to help someone, I'll just text them. Hey, here's where I'm stuck. How about this? And the, honest to God, out of 10 times, nine times they say, that's perfect. That'll work great. I'm that's thinking, awesome. I should have been doing that my whole life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I the love stress that. level goes right down. It does. So, um, and our relationship strengthens. Yes. So that's pretty cool. Would I interrupted you? So you were saying something? No, I feel like you filled the the thought I was having. I think we're on the same wavelength. Yeah, I we are. I want to ask you a question. I want to talk about your foundation, but I want I'm, before I do that, I want to ask you what psychoastrology is and how it's used, how you use it. Sure. So I come to this work. I come to this book and healing from the perspective of being a licensed psychotherapist of over twenty years, and astrology has come into my life in the last seven years. And I see astrology is this beautiful blueprint and map of our potential patterns, our strengths, our weaknesses. And as a believer in free will, it's like this beautiful, you know, filled with potential map of who, when we were born, where the planets and stars were and what each of them mean for us. And then having that understanding gives us that awareness that you mentioned and really gives us choice to, you know, how, how do I want to, what relationship do I want to have with this pattern, with this propensity within me? And it really helps illuminate more parts of ourselves. So we're less in the dark and also with others. So knowing, for instance, the where your Chiron is helps, you know, the area of vulnerability that you have. So you can release shame when needed expose this part of yourself to forgiveness and to understanding. And it can also help to know, you know, your partner's Chiron, your friend's Chiron, because we tend to center our patterns of dysfunction in some cases around these patterns. So we can just help you be more easy about it, be more gentle and forgiving, help each other out instead of judge and criticize. And so psychoastrology is where our personal psychology meets our natal astrology, quite simply. It's that synthesis. And so do you, in, like, say I was part of your practice, either in L.A. or New Orleans, New Orleans right? Yeah. Since you are licensed in two states, neither of which I live in. But <laughs> if I were there and I was a client of yours, would that be part of our work together? You know, that's a good question, Sarah. I start with each and every client with where they are, with where you are as, as the listener right now. I, I want to really understand what's bringing you to this this place in your life to reach out with therapy. And so when you book an appointment, there's a little attachment that has my book to it, you know, where you can read and learn about it. And if that resonates with you, you know, yes, let's work with that paradigm and perspective, but it's not mandatory. It's not required. It's just like an additional offering that I have to help you understand yourself more deeply. And I find it's really effective to understand that pattern. But again, it's not required in our work together. I've just been not noticing a number of men and women, but I'm, you know, I'm in contact mostly with women, but men as well are gravitating to more understanding in that broader way. So I was curious if that's been your experience also. I love bringing it in when the person's open, you know, but again, I really want to start with where the client is and meet, meet their needs first and foremost. Okay. So I want to take a pause here and I, this will be the uh, 
first ending of the podcast. <laughs> so let's tell all the listeners who've come this far um, and they don't want to go on to learn about your foundation or that amazing work yet, um, where the best place to find you is, whether they're in LA or New Orleans or anywhere else on the planet, where do you want them to reach out to you? I would love for you to reach out to me at nolatherapy.com. It's N-O-L-A-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y.com. It stands for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy.com. That's also my Instagram handle and my Facebook handle, as well as my YouTube channel. And I'd love to connect with you all in any and all of those ways. My podcast is found there at NOLA Therapy. Com, and I'd be delighted to answer questions and even offer your listeners, Sarah, half off a first session. I do virtual sessions. So half off at a 45 minute session or a 30 day psychoastrology intensive. If they mention you, your show, anything like that when they book. That is super generous, Lisa. That's really generous. Yeah, you're so, welcome. I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Well, more healing in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, folks, so that is the end of the first podcast, but I'm going to do a bonus segment here, so stick around. Um, and this time, it's all about Lisa still, but I want to talk to Lisa about her nonprofit organization. Now, we talked a little bit before we went live, and I was just so excited to hear the genesis of the nonprofit, what led her to do it. And I wanted to have her have time to share that with all of you because I have a sense that someone listening to this today or you're going to send it to someone knows the right next step because this could be an evolutionary benefit for so many people in our country and in other parts of the world as well. So Lisa, talk to us about the um, YES Foundation, your inspiration for it and your vision for it for the future. Sarah, this is so, like makes me so happy. Thank you. I am looking for some help for next steps. I started the Yes Foundation in 2010 as a response to being a glass artist for fun. I've done some professional jobs. It's mostly my self-care, my passion, blowing glass, casting glass as an art form. And my bachelor's degree is in rehabilitation counseling, and I used to help people who were injured and needed job modifications stay at their with their current employer with an, an ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act accommodation. And I noticed in the hot shop, as it's called, in glass studios, that glass studios typically are not ADA compliant due to the nature of glass blowing. It's very physical and that people in wheelchairs can't access this art form that has brought me so much joy. I cannot even put into words. Making art for me has been life changing. And I started to think, like, how could I bring this to the to the wheelchair community? And that's why I got 501c3 status in 2010. And I've just been funding it to keep the bank account open and, you know, file with the IRS every year because it's kind of like my little baby that I want to, you know, grow in the world. I'm not sure those next steps. And so that's why I'm so grateful about putting this out on your show for anyone with some next steps. And what I've created 
in the service of this is I designed and got a US patent on a modified glass workbench. So you can wheel your own wheelchair up to it. And I built a prototype that I paid for. I actually taught a 14 year old boy with autism in his wheelchair to blow glass. Like the audience was crying. I was crying because it's like to see something that you took so many years. It took it took about four years for the nonprofit status. And then it took eight years to get the U.S. patent. So this is been a labor of love that I paid all by myself and to see this 14 year old blow glass from his wheelchair in my bench was like oh my god like the feeling of euphoria so I donated this prototype to a glass studio in New Orleans called Yaya Artists so they have it but we're not sure what to do next like how to connect people who were in wheelchairs to come take classes that's where I feel like I'm kind of stuck in just doing this on my own as an individual, and I'd love some help. So here's the here's what I will volunteer yeah. to help you with, is I will help you do a first start plan on your next steps, because that's my other, what I do when I'm not doing podcasts is I coach what? nonprofits. Oh so, my God. Wow. But, but I'm asking, so no, I mean, that that's, yeah. that's playtime for me, okay. really, it's, I know the questions to ask you and your board or whomever you're, is helping you. Um, that's playtime. I'm happy to help you do that because I'm super excited. What I told Lisa um, prior to going on is yesterday was, and I'm not sure when we'll air this, so I'm just giving this a space and time, that yesterday was Veterans Day. And there was a lot of different coverage on the news. And, you know, I don't cry about a lot of things, but there's certain things that just get my heart. And so there had been some remarkable um, technology and modifications for first responders, for veterans who frankly have given so much of themselves and had things that they love taken away from them physically because they've lost parts of their body or they have maybe traumatic brain injury. Yeah. Um, so when I learned about Lisa's chair, I'm just sitting there thinking, I can't imagine there's not a huge market for people who love to use their hands, whether it's in glass or welding or other things yeah. that require that kind of both safety and chair. So Lisa, I believe, I believe someone listening to this podcast, and I'll do this as a short segment as well, is wants to fund the prototypes for you, wants to help get it into the hands of the right people. Yes. and partner to get this out because there are so many people whose hearts and um, experience in the world would be enlivened by getting to express themselves in ways they want to that they're just artificially unable to right now without uh, an adaptation. So, um, but you and I, once this is over, let's, I'll talk to you about scheduling a little time and we'll yes get you on a, We'll get you a map, a roadmap, if you will. Um, and get you started. But I'm really asking anybody who's listening to this to reach out to Lisa. And again, we'll have all of her contact information in the show notes. Um, but don't be shy. She wants to hear from you because she's got a big visit. This is her legacy into the future that she's creating. And for someone to nurture their own passion for 10 or 12 years, it's not a fly by night. No, idea it's not. So, thank you. Thank you. No, oh. I just think this is super. It's super. And I'm, I'm just thrilled 
for you and for the lives that haven't even yet been touched by this. And it makes me say, yes, that's what I named it the Yes Foundation and not the Lisa Tahir Foundation, because it's really about the yes to yourself, to to unlimited possibilities. And I just saw this as like an example of the yeses in our lives to just reach, you know, and, and I obviously don't have all this figured out, but I know with the help of others, it will be and like really see the light of day. So thank you. So you're welcome. And do me a favor. I can see the tail. So show me the face of the. Oh, my kitty cat here. Yeah, here he is. This is Jiggy. Oh, oh, what a pretty tuxedo. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big, big cat. He's a big boy. He's a big boy in at about 14 pounds. Actually, like 14 to 15. Yes. Wow. That's a wonderful guess. (laughs) (laughs) I live with animals. I've gotten pretty good at estimating weight. I'm he flies. He flies between New Orleans and LA. He's made over thirty round trip tick uh, trips. Oh. he's a frequent flying cat. <laughs> Does he have his own frequent flyer number? That would be awesome. I think you should have one. Yes. Okay, Lisa. I want to thank you again for being on the podcast once again. Just as we wrap this up, remind everybody of where to reach out to you, and specifically around the foundation, what you would love as um, gifts and support. Please reach out to me through nolatherapy.com. My email is lisa at nolatherapy.com, standing for New Orleans, Los Angeles Therapy. I'm there at NOLA Therapy on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And I'd love what you said, Sarah, some how to take the one prototype I had made in New Orleans and connect it in the glass studio with people in wheelchairs in that area. And also, like you said, other prototypes being built for other glass facilities and how we can get patrons, people using the bench in whatever ways it needs to be used. And it's not just limited to glass art. I would love, like you said, for a welder, for somebody working on cars, you know, just, I feel like there's multiple uses for this bench and I'd love to see it being used. And I'd really appreciate that guidance and those connections. Okay, everybody, you've got your request. If it's in your heart to reach out to Lisa, do it. And don't ask why it's in your heart. Just do it. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Sarah. You are awesome. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.